Turn to Colossians 1. I'll read it here in a moment, but I won't be able to sing it like that. Thank you so much. What a, what a blessing. He holds all things together by the blood of his cross. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. We've been looking at this passage, this Advent season, to study the preeminence of Christ in the Incarnation. Christ is the most important thing, the most important person, the most important thing that God has been doing since the foundation of the world. We've been looking at these individual titles and things that God has done through Christ. And so Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 through 20 will be what we'll read. At Christmas time, though, we recount the prophecy that unto us... A child is born, unto us a son is given. But who exactly is this child in the manger? Who is this son that was given that we talk about so much at Christmas? Who is Jesus? Who is he? Listen to these inspired words here from Colossians, in Colossians from the Apostle Paul that explain who Jesus is and how he is preeminent in all things. He, that is Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross. Let's pray. Oh, great God, we would like to see Jesus. Help us to see that he is much bigger, much greater than we could ever imagine. Make him preeminent in our minds. Make him preeminent in our eyes. Make him preeminent in our hearts this morning, we pray. We pray this in his great name. Amen. If you were in prison at Christmas time, how would you celebrate Christmas? What would Christmas be like for you if you were incarcerated during the Christmas season? If you had no friends or family or community to enjoy the Christmas season, what would you do? How would you spend the holidays? Perhaps when I asked you that question, what immediately came to your mind was missing out on all the the hoopla of Christmas, right? The the presents, the the lights, the the, the food, and more food, (laughs) and lights, and decorations, and all of the many wonderful things that we associate with Christmas time. haven't spent Christmas in prison. I don't know. Maybe they have Christmas trees. So, Frank, let us know if they do. Um, 
Just kidding. But that's not what Christmas is all about, is it, Charlie Brown? <laughs> it's not all about the, the presents and the hoopla and the lights and the decorations. Christmas is about the birth of a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. Christmas is about the incarnation, God in a manger. God becoming a man to save us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the beloved German pastor and theologian of the 20th century, he once wrote the following meditation that I'm about to read to you from prison. He was, in fact, incarcerated in a German camp. When all the excitement of Christmas time was stripped away, I believe Bonhoeffer shows us how we are to meditate on the wonder of the incarnation at Christmas. Hear what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says. What kings and leaders of nations, philosophers and artists, founders of religions and teachers of morals have tried to do in vain that now happens through a newborn child. Putting to shame the most powerful human efforts and accomplishment, a child is placed here at the midpoint of world history. A child born of human beings, a son given by God. This is the mystery of the redemption of the world. Everything past and everything future is encompassed here the infinite mercy of the Almighty God comes to us, descends to us in the form of a child, His Son. That this child is born for us. This Son is given to us. That this human child and the Son of God belongs to me. That I know Him, have Him, love Him. That I am His and He is mine. On this alone, my life now depends. A child has his life in our hands. At Christmas time, we meditate on this wonderful truth. A child has our life in his hands. This is what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the curse of the law that we, so that we might receive the adoption as sons. A child was born. A son was given. Our life is in his hands. This is what matters most at Christmas time. This is how we must celebrate this is where we must let our thoughts, this is where we must let our minds, our affections, this is where they must linger at Christmas time, that God sent His one and only Son to redeem us, to rescue us, to deliver us from sin and death. At Christmas time, there, there are many words that, that come to mind that we think about during this season. These things that bring us all together in the Christmas spirit. Words like love and joy and peace and tidings of comfort and joy and Merry Christmas. We can't say that enough, can we? But there are also words that we must think about 
when it comes to who Jesus is and what he came to do. And in describing the preeminence of Christ in the incarnation and in the person and work of Jesus Christ, if you look there in verse 20 of Colossians chapter 1, we're going to hone in on a portion of this verse. Where in verse 20 we read, And through him to reconcile all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Three such words or three ideas are found in this verse. And they are in fact titles that describe to us who Jesus is and what he came to do. Why he was born in the first place. And the first is Jesus is the reconciler. The second is Jesus is the peacemaker. And the third is Jesus is the sacrifice. So let's explore those three things. The first is Jesus is the reconciler, through him to reconcile all things. Christ was born to reconcile. Oftentimes we think of that word reconcile in an accounting function. But to reconcile something means to reunite or restore a relationship that was broken. The idea here is that there was something was broken, something was not right, it was not good between two people or two things, and so to reconcile them means to bring them back together in harmony. To reconcile means to restore two parties that were at odds with one another to their former unity. See, the Apostle Paul here proclaims the preeminence of Christ in all things because it was through Christ that God would reconcile all things to himself, things in heaven and things on earth. But what needed to be reconciled? What was it that was broken that now needs to be restored? Well, we don't have to get very far in our Bibles to hear that creation story. To hear that story where Adam and Eve first disobeyed God and sin entered the world. And instead of man being in right relationship with God, instead of man being in a harmony with God, their creator, everything is now broken. Everything now is in conflict. And this, the relationships that experience this conflict and this disunity, there's man against the world and man against man and God and man are not in harmony with one another. Adam and Eve no longer walked with God in the cool of the day in the garden. They were cast out and an angel with a flaming sword that flashed every way was put in place to keep them from the presence of God. Stark picture, stark reminder of the enmity that now exists between God and man. Man is now separated from God, alienated from him. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden after their sin, and they no longer were in close relationship with him. And one thing that we must affirm this morning is that is not just some cute story in a children's Bible storybook. That story affects us all. Adam and Eve's sin affected the whole human race. We are all separated from God. That's the bad news. 
But there is good news stated plainly for us in verse 20 here in Colossians. Through Jesus, God would now reconcile us to himself. That promise that was given that there would come one who would crush the head of Satan is now revealed to us in flesh and blood. Reconciliation is now made possible because of the incarnation. Think about that. Reconciliation is now possible because of the incarnation. Hark, the herald the angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinner reconciled. It is because of Jesus that we, sinners, separated from a holy God, can now be in a right relationship with God because Jesus is the reconciler. There's a few things that you and I need to understand about reconciliation this morning, a few things that are very important for us to understand biblically about reconciliation. One is that you were never in a right standing with God. You were born into this world with red in your ledger. You are not born in this world neutral. You and I were born into this world as an enemy of God. You are a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving his displeasure and without hope, except in his sovereign mercy. And I know what you're thinking. Thanks, Pastor. Merry Christmas. I'm not about to close in prayer. But we need to understand this, that without a relationship with Jesus, you cannot be made right with God. There is no Merry Christmas for you if it is not for Jesus Christ. No amount of good works, no amount of wishing, nothing you can do can make you right with God except for believing in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You cannot reconcile yourself to God. God must do something that you and I can't do for ourselves. What you could not do, though, God did. God did. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, Paul says in 2 Corinthians. And it is at Christmas time that we celebrate that God has done what we could not do for ourselves. He reconciled us. He reconciled us to himself. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth. And mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled because of the incarnation. And so we rightly gather this morning to praise and to worship God because he has reconciled us to himself. In Romans 3, 26, Paul declares that God is both the just and the justifier of those who have faith in Jesus. Jesus is the reconciler, but Jesus is also the peacemaker. Jesus has brought peace between God and man. God is holy, holy, holy. And we, you and I, we are not, not, not. Therefore, that is why this enmity exists. This hostility is there between God and man. 
He is holy, and we are sinful. And the, the most fundamental thing that we must understand about our relationship with God is that apart from Jesus Christ, we are his enemy. There is no peace. There is no peace between God and man. And so how could peace possibly exist between a holy God and sinful man? How could, how could peace be brokered between God and man? It is through Jesus that God has brought peace. The peacemaker has come. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The peace that we have, it was a brokered peace. It was a peace that would come at a great cost. It was a peace bought by sacrifice. And that is the third thing. Jesus is the sacrifice. How could reconciliation be achieved? How could peace be brought between an all-holy God and sinful man? Peace was only possible because of the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. By the blood of his cross, Paul says here, that is the sacrifice, the death that he died on the cross, that he has made peace, he has reconciled us to God. Not our cross, not someone else's cross, but the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus died as a sacrifice of atonement to reconcile us to God, making peace between God and man. For us to understand Jesus as a sacrifice, we have to look to the Old Testament. And we read in the Old Testament, we find in the Old Testament these, these sacrifices, these animal sacrifices that were made over and over and over to, a, to atone for the sins of the, of, of the people. And it must have been exhausting to do that. The priests would have to repeatedly offer sacrifices to atone for sin. It was a very bloody and and messy affair. And the reason why is because salvation is messy. It comes at great cost. But Jesus was that once and for all sacrifice. By the blood of his cross, Jesus has reconciled us to God and brought peace forever. The late Puritan John Davenant said this, For redemption and reconciliation of the human race requires a mediator whose obedience is of infinite merit, whose humility is pleasing to God as the pride of our first parents was displeasing. And so who could be this perfect sacrifice of infinite merit? Only Jesus Christ, who is fully God and fully man. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He has made peace by the blood of his Christ, by the blood of his cross, and that is his sacrifice on that cross. The amazing thing for us to think about when we think about the incarnation at Christmas time is the fact that that cross was always in view in the manger. It was always there at the manger. 
It was not a plan B. The cross was never not a reality for Jesus. He was born to die. So if you're having trouble this morning focusing on Christ, if you're having trouble this morning cultivating a relationship with God, there's this one important thing that you must do. It's one important thing that I want you to think about here at Christmas time to help you focus your hearts and minds. That God the Father, that He would decree from all eternity that Jesus would be born and that He would die. And He would do that for you and for me. Is that not amazing? Is that not unbelievable? Is that not love greater than any love there ever was? Jesus was born to die. Dietrich Bonhoeffer again asked some helpful questions that I have found very helpful to reflect on here at Christmas time. He has this wonderful little meditation book called God in the Manger. And in this little book, he asked a few questions about this reconciliation that peace that Christ has brought us by his blood shed on the cross. He asks, how shall we deal with such a child? How should we deal with such a child? Have our hands soiled with daily toil, become too hard and too proud to fold in prayer at the sight of this child? Has our head become too full of serious thoughts that we cannot bow our head in humility at the wonder of this child? Can we not forget all our stresses and struggles and our sense of importance and for once worship the child as did the shepherds and the wise men from the east bowing before the divine child in the manger like children? Can we do that? It's this last question that I want us to drill down on here that Bonhoeffer asked. I'm willing to bet that a lot of you are here this morning with a lot of stress. Maybe the roast is burning in the oven right now. Hurry up, Pastor. You know? Maybe it's just been a hard year. Maybe you got some unfortunate news at work. Maybe you've got some family struggles that are just hard, relationships with parents, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, cousins, and Christmas is just hard, it's stressful, maybe you have a financial trouble that is only magnified by Christmas, I don't know what your exact stress is, but I do know the remedy for your stress and for your struggle. I know it. I'm about to tell you right now. It is to look to Jesus. It is to look to God in the manger. To remember at Christmas time that God has met our greatest need. He has given us the greatest present that could ever be given. Your greatest need, my greatest need, is that we are sinners in the sight of God and without hope. We are not at peace with Him. Yet in Christ, God has met our greatest need by reconciling us to himself. The greatest 
present ever given. But maybe some of you are here this morning and you're, you're very proud. You don't see your need for a Savior. Or maybe you're just apathetic. This is the first time you've been to church in a while. And you haven't really thought about these things and considered these things. And maybe you're surprised that I'm not preaching to you an inspirational message to help you live a better life. Maybe that's what you're used to. Maybe that's what you were looking for this morning, a a self-help message to help you live a better life. Well, I actually am preaching preaching to you a message to help you live a better life. I hope you didn't miss it. Because the way to live a better life is to stop focusing on yourself and to stop focusing on your problems and your stress and your worries And to focus yourself on Jesus and to bow your head before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and worship Christ, the newborn King. That is it. And if you don't do that, it's not going to work out for you, I promise. But if you do do that, you will know Christ and you will know a peace that will surpass all understanding and you will have a merry christmas because christmas is about worship it's about glory to god in the highest and on earth peace among men god and sinners reconciled glory to god in the highest so merry christmas everyone christ is the lord let's pray Oh God, help us, help us this Christmas time to focus on you and not on ourselves. And Lord, forgive us, forgive us where we have made it all about ourselves, all about our stress, all about our worries, all about our circumstances, and we have taken our minds off of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to be like those wise men, to travel as far as we need to to worship Christ. Help us to be like those shepherds, to bow in awe at the message that the angels gave. Help us to be like Mary and treasure in our hearts the wonderful news of God made flesh. Help us, O Lord, to worship Christ, our King. In his name we pray, amen.